Good morning, EBS. How are we doing today? Good? Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Ashley, for... Oh! <laughs> so this is my first time preaching. Well, great introduction, but... <laughs> um, for those who do not know me, uh, my name is Moses Chen. I'm an engineering student at Northwestern here. I've been loved and encouraged in so many ways since I came to EBF two years ago. And I'm thankful for God who has brought me into this local church family. For someone who is far away from home, uh, you have been truly a family to me. It's been a joy to serve along many of you week after week. It has also been a joy for me to walk alongside many of you day after day. I want to thank uh, Danny Russell and also the elders who have entrusted me with the responsibility of preaching today. This is a weighty role, and I want you to know that I don't take this lightly. Well, as I said, this is my first time ever preaching at the pulpit. And like many other important events in my life, I dreamed about missing it. So it happened two nights ago, I dreamed about missing. And, and I arrived at 10.30 and somebody was preaching at the pulpit. Well, so God is faithful. And, <laughs> and it is by his grace, truly, that I and we are all here today. So this morning, we're continuing on our I Am series for this summer. As Brother Matt has introduced us into the series, saying that it is the chance for us to get Jesus right in this summer. And it is the same purpose that I am preaching today. <clears throat> it will be our fifth out of seven I am statements from the Gospel of John. And Matt also showed us that the Gospel of John is written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. As we're diving in today, would you join me in prayers for his provision? Father God, I lift up this time to you. I thank you once again for your word so that we may know you. And I pray this for everyone who is preaching today as well. As we open your word today, I pray that you will be present and you will be glorified. May you work in us now so that we may hear everything you have to say today. And I pray that you will guard my tongue so that nothing comes out from me, may dishonor your name. And I pray that you will bar any worldly expectations, but may your word and only your words be spoken and heard at this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So during this past month, as I was preparing for the sermon, um, there has been an unprecedented protest that's back in my hometown. To date... Four people had taken their own lives because of this. 
Numerous were injured, numerous were arrested. It aches my heart to read about the incidents, to scroll through articles, to read messages from my family and my friends back at home. Truth is, it doesn't take long for me to learn that my home is being torn apart. Throughout this past month, there are frustrations, there are confusions, anger, the sense of helplessness, and these overwhelmed me. Especially when I'm here and they're there, and I couldn't be with them. It's not my intent to go into any of the details here or comment on who is right or wrong, but the reason I mentioned this series of events is that throughout this journey, I see how easily circumstances can affect my walk with God. Because we react to our circumstances and they demand our attention. Just to be clear, it's not wrong to deal with these circumstances. We ought to when they arise around us. But if I were to be honest, these circumstances lead me to questions about God. It leads me to disbelief of God. I start to ask God, why? Why are these happening? I start to ask, where? Where are you, God, in the midst of all these? This kind of disbelief is where our text is surrounded with. So here is how we are walking through today's text. I want to pick up the narrative from last week's sermon so that we will view our passage in this context, and in this we'll see what disbelief may look like. And this sets up the stage for our passage today. With our text, I want to show you that our Christian belief or faith is founded upon who Jesus is, and it is secured for because Jesus is with us, and it is sustained by Jesus' power in us. If you were here last Sunday, Brother Sam has helped us see the story of the raising of Lazarus. So there was a crowd who witnessed Lazarus being raised again from the dead after four days spending in the grave. Some in the crowd believed in Jesus because of this. But some gathered and devised a plan to kill Jesus and also to kill Lazarus because apparently Lazarus walking around in the crowd, talking to you, eating and drinking, sleeping and waking up is the exact evidence that Jesus is precisely who he says he is. He is the Christ. He is the Son of God. And he has authority over death. After Jesus has spoken to the crowd one last time, still urging them to believe, he has hid himself from them. He has ended his public ministry. And he decided to spend his last moments with his disciples. During the last meal they had together, he sent Judas out who betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Furthermore, when Peter told Jesus he was going to follow him wherever he goes, to the point he would lay down his life 
for Jesus. But Jesus rebuked him, revealing that he would, in fact, deny Jesus three times on the very same night. So the unbelieving crowd did not believe Jesus by rejecting and eliminating every bit of Jesus in their lives. Judas did not believe Jesus by treasuring things of temporary values over Jesus. Peter did not believe Jesus by thinking that on his own, he has the strength and will to follow God, follow Jesus. It's in the middle of all forms of disbelief our text comes in. If you have not turned there, join me in John chapter 14, and we'll start at the beginning of the chapter. Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. Let's pause here. The disciples are troubled. The world is collapsing. They have given up everything. And for the past three years, they have been following Jesus everywhere. Jesus has fed them. He has protected them. He has taught them how to live. It would be fair to say that the disciples rely completely on Jesus since the time they followed him. But now, he continued to tell him, tell the disciples that he is leaving. Let not your hearts be troubled. I cannot help but to marvel and give thanks to God at this point because notice that it is Jesus who is walking up to the cross in less than a day. It is Jesus who is facing death here. He ought to be the person whose heart is troubled. But in turn, Jesus is comforting his disciples by saying, let not your hearts be troubled. We know that Jesus is troubled. Last week, we have seen that Jesus was deeply moved, or even more appropriately, as Sam has shown us, outraged to see death's power over men. And he wept, seeing what impact sin has on the entire human race. But our gracious Lord at this time is comforting his disciples. Jesus loves his disciples before he continues to teach them something that's incredible about himself. He comforts them. The Son of God, full of grace and truth. He does not only speak the truth, but in his truth is grace. So listen closely. What is the answer to their troubled minds? Going back to verse 1, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. The answer is to believe. Also in verse 11, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Throughout this passage, the disciples do not understand why Jesus has to leave. And they're most concerned about themselves because what are they going to do without Jesus? When Jesus is leaving, they have nothing else to rely on. But they're not concerned about what Jesus is going to face. And today's I am statement is encapsulated in this gloom. 
It is surrounded by all these questions of the disciples and is surrounded by all this uncertainty about the future. In the middle of all these, hear what our Lord Jesus has to say. I am the way and the truth and the life. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is giving this statement to them for them to hold on to not, not only is this a call to look to him from our circumstances, it is also Jesus is asking them to believe in him that he is the way and the truth and the life. Jesus is pointing to himself as an answer as the answer to all sorts of questions and disbelief that can arise. Jesus is asking us to focus on who he is because he is the solution. He is the answer. So what does this statement mean? Remember what Jesus said in verse 3, I go to prepare a place for you. Where is Jesus going? From the text, we know that Jesus is going to the Father, but how? How is Jesus going to the Father? Through the cross, through the betrayal of a friend, through the mocking of the crowd, through the flogging of his flesh, through the crowning of thorns of humiliation, through the piercing of his hands and feet, through his death on the cross. Brothers and sisters, this is the way. Through his death on the cross, this is the way. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus Christ laid down his life on the cross so that we can have access to God through him. Because all of us have sinned against God and no one can come to him blameless. These are the words of the Apostle Paul in Romans 5, for while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. We were enemies to God, and all we could have waited for would be destruction if it weren't for Jesus. And later, in Romans 5, Paul laid out the reason for Christ to die so that we can be reconciled with God. Now that Jesus has provided the way and himself paving every single step of the way, he asks that we believe in him and all that he has done. Jesus also said he is the truth. He is the truth upon which we can commune with God. Back in verse 2, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? See, that Jesus is only concerned about telling us the truth. He would not lie. He's not trying to trick us into believing in him. He's asking us to hold on to him when the things around us would suggest otherwise. 
we may rest on knowing that his way is certain because Jesus is the truth. And Jesus said he is the life. Recall that Jesus is the bread of life. He gives up his flesh and his blood for the life of this world. He called us to feast on him, to enjoy him, to treasure him. Recall that Jesus is the door. He is the protector of life. He is the portal to life, to himself. Jesus is the good shepherd. He lays down his life for his sheep and he takes it up again. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Jesus is the life. And he has full authority to hand it to death and take it back again. On the cross, Jesus cried out, it is finished, giving up his life for the sin of this world. And he rose from the dead three days later, reclaiming life. By this, he has defeated death once and for all. And now the rooms are ready. The way has been paved. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. This is what Jesus wants his disciples to hold on to when they're walking through the valley, when they're filled with questions, when they're surrounded with disbelief. This is what Jesus wants us, if we're a believer of Christ, to hold on to today by focusing on who he is and believe in him. Our faith is founded on who Jesus is. Our faith is secured because Jesus is with us. We have a promise by Jesus. Going back to verses 2 and 3, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. Jesus will come again. And when he comes, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Revelations 21 verse 4. Everything will be made new when Jesus comes again. That is certain. But more so for today, before Jesus comes back, when our tears are still real, when our pain is right in front of us, what do we do? When we're still prone to disbelieve, what do we do? Notice where Jesus says we are going in the text. At first, Jesus mentioned, it is the Father's house where we are going. But in verse 3, it says, I will come again and take you to myself. This is incredible. This is incredible. Notice the switch in destination. It would seem logical to say, well, this is the Father's house that I'm preparing rooms for you, so I'm taking you to the Father's house. 
But no, this is not what Jesus is saying. Jesus says, I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. See, the end goal of our faith is not where we are, but who we are with. God is calling us to be with him. And when we believe in him, he is with us. And this is why eternal life begins when a believer believes. If you're truly a believer of Christ, you have eternal life now because God lives in you. Later in the chapter, in verse 23, Jesus says, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and we, meaning Jesus and the Father, will come to him and make our home with him. God will make a home with him. God is closer to you than you can imagine. He's upholding you throughout the entire journey of faith. Listen to the writer of Hebrews in chapter 12. Let us, meaning believers, lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Jesus does not leave his believers alone. Your faith is secure because he who begins it will finish it. In God's eyes, this is as certain as Jesus promising to come back and make all things new. Sometimes we believe that Jesus is going to come back. We believe all that he has promised at the end. But sometimes we don't believe that he is working in us today. He is in us. The end goal of our faith is not where we are, but who we are with. If you believe that our faith is secured, how shall we conduct our everyday lives now? Here, I would echo the psalmist's claim in Psalm 73. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there's nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Desire God. Be satisfied with Him now because He is with us. This is the first promise that our faith is secured because Jesus is with us. There's another promise in that text. Our faith is sustained by Jesus' power in us. Starting from verse 12, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works will, than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So here's the promise. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Let's be clear 
about what this is not saying. Because some people may take this verse and tell you that Jesus will give you every single thing you ask, every single thing you want. May it be power, wealth, status, relationships, health, going into this school, landing that job, graduating even, or even as basic as physical security and safety. This is not what this verse is saying. Remember what we just saw. Our faith is about being with God and we are called to be satisfied in God because He is with us. So what does this verse say? We have already read the answer. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. This is the ultimate purpose of asking, praying. If you're asking something that glorifies God, be certain that Jesus will do it, not necessarily in the way that you may have planned, but Jesus will do it so that whatever is done is glorifying to the Father. It's my hope today for you who feel tired in your walk with God, feel weary in your services in this family, to hear this as a comfort. After all, it's not us who do the work, it is Jesus who does the work. In 2 Corinthians 4, verses 6 to 7 says, For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, for God has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We have this treasure in jars of clay. Jesus is the treasure. We are the clay. So let Jesus shine through us to show that the surpassing power belongs to him and not to us. See this, every single bit that can be glorifying God originates from Jesus. It does not originate from us. The urge to sing his praises this morning, it is Jesus' work for the glory of the Father. If you decide to leave your computer screen when temptations arise, it is Jesus' work for the glory of the Father. If you're really angry, extremely angry, but you hold your tongue so that you don't hurt others for a relief of emotions, that is Jesus' work for the glory of the Father. If you decide to talk to your neighbors because you love them, because you love them to have Christ, it is Jesus' work for the glory of the Father. And even in the very act of praying and seeking God, it is Jesus' work for the glory of the Father. It is Jesus' power in us, moving us to do things that can glorify the Father. All things Jesus has done on this earth and forevermore were to glorify the Father. 
And remember what the text says. We who believe in Jesus will do his works to glorify the Father through his power. Today, if you feel weak, if you're stumbling, if you're tired, remember that our faith is sustained by Jesus' power in us, not our own strength, not our own power. Our faith is sustained by Jesus' power in us. And there's one last point that I would like to mention. is about the phrase, in Jesus' name. This is the end of our, all our prayers. We are taught to pray like this. But, but my fear here is we treat it as a part of a formula that we use when we pray. It's my fear that we forget its significance of what it means to pray in Jesus' name. In Philippians 2, because Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the name of our Lord, our Savior. And it contains everything He has done and all that He is. When we pray in His name, remember that He became the way and He died on the cross for our sins so that we can be reconciled to God. When we pray in His name, remember that by Him being the truth, all that He promises is certain that we may rely on his power in this faith journey and he will do what we ask. When we pray in his name, remember that he is the eternal life that every believer now has because we are with him. And this is certain. He does not forsake you. He does not leave you behind. He takes care of you. He cares to bring you to the end. I just want to take a moment here for you who do not believe in Christ today. I trust that is God's grace that has brought you here. And we would love to see you consider Jesus as who he is, that he has died and resurrected to pave the way so that you may treasure God as who he is by believing in him. It's my prayer, it's my hope that you will not leave any questions unanswered before you walk out of this door. That you will talk to the people, go to EBF 101, ask questions. And we are more than happy, more than joyful to share with you what Christ has done. And it could have the same impact for you. And for my brothers and sisters here, perhaps you're like me. 
being disheartened by the news, by the circumstances that are around you, losing strength to move forward. Perhaps you're like Peter, wanting to follow Christ by your own strength or your own way, only to find that without Jesus, you're not able to move forward even a little step in faith. And now you're tired because you tried, you tried and tried, and you did not move a little step. Know that his work is finished and Jesus is making sure that we will get there. Our faith is founded on who Jesus is. Our faith is secured for he is with us and our faith is sustained by his power in us. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you once more for your word, for Jesus Christ, because we are certain in him. Not only at the end, but also now, because you are with us. May we focus on you every single day of our life. And by looking to you, we have the truth to confront what is not glorifying you in our lives. We have the power to fight what is not glorifying to you. It is by your power, it is by your power that all these work can be done through us. So may we be confident in you. May we treasure you daily. May we run to you daily because you have 